Welcome to Activate Church Podcast and thanks for listening. We hope this message helps you and we pray that God speaks to you through this week's message. Last week I spoke about being yourself. So I, I figured that I, I preached that last week, so this week everyone, you just, you're just being yourself, right? We spoke about that last week, so now you just got to be this week, and I'm sure you did it as a Monday, okay? Uh, you just got to be who God's created you to be, and don't live in insecure places, and don't live off the affirmation of other people. You just be who God's created you to be, because everyone else is taken, so you might as well be you. And, uh, you know, you, you, you're not a twin, it's like we, we need you to come and to be who you are. So, so you're uh, being who you are. Now, how many of us understand that after you you are being who you are. What we need to do is pull everyone together. So now you're being yourself. But actually, uh, the whole thing about church is you're not supposed to do it by yourself. So church, we're supposed to do this together, all right? So what we do is we say, you be you, but now come together with other people who are being them. And together, we will be the church. And when we are being who God's called us and created us to be, man, I, I believe that something powerful happens. I think something really powerful happens. So we just need to be who God's created us to be, to live the life that God's created us to live. Let me tell you something. I love the church. I believe in the church. I do. I remember sitting in my office when I was uh, working full-time jobs, staring out the window, just dreaming about church because I just believe in what it does. I believe in the message it sends. This is the only organization on the planet that exists solely for the gospel message, you know? And, and so we are uh, excited that God has got a purpose for the church, but also for this church as well. I want to read to you guys a passage of Scripture today. It comes out of Ephesians, and it's Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 to 7. If you have a Bible, you can go ahead and grab it. I brought my own, big enough for all of us to share today. So let me read. It says, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord. This is Paul who wrote this, Paul the Apostle. Urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. He goes on to say, There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all in all. That's, that's a lot of alls. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. God, we need a revival. We need a revival. I do pray for Holy Spirit fire. And I pray, God, that, that it falls on us as we listen to your word today. I pray, God, that you would just, as, as you're calling people, as you're speaking to people about the, the gift and the grace that's on their life, I pray, God, that we'd be encouraged and inspired to do uh, what it is that you've got for us on this earth. And so, Lord, I pray that as we speak today uh, and as I preach today, Lord, that you would just be confirming stuff all over this place. We ask that in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. His promises are yes and? Amen. 
Yes and? So we agree with him when he says some stuff, and he's going to say some stuff today, all right? All right, so here's the thing. When I was a kid, I used to play basketball, and I remember um, m- multiple games. I remember I played with the same team for a number of seasons. And uh, we would get together, I remember, a, a number of times when we thought like we might lose. And so we would get together in a team huddle. And then the coach would, would start to think about a plan, like what are we going to do? Like how are we going to win this game? And I don't know if you've ever played a team sport, but sometimes you get people on your team that think that they are the team. And so I remember this one kid that I used to play with and his plan was always the same. Get the ball to me and I will do the rest. Just get the ball to me and I will do the rest. And if you want to win, just pass the ball. I can shoot it from anywhere. I will single-handedly win us the game. He didn't quite put it like that, but that's what he meant. Just get the ball to me and I'll shoot and we'll win. And you know what? That doesn't really even work in basketball, but it definitely doesn't work in life. It doesn't work in life. You know, when it comes to the thing about church, like church is not where we celebrate some superstar individuals who are so great and gifted. And we say, let's just get the ball to them. And as soon as we get it into the hands of the superstar, they'll run the race. They will shoot the ball. They'll get the touchdown. They'll get across the line and they'll do it for all of us. Guys, that ain't church. That's not the way that church works. Actually, God uses every body. He uses everybody. Now, if you're here today and you're not a Christian and you're sitting in this place and you're sort of like trying to uh, tune in to what we're talking about, I want you to understand that even though you may be sitting here today and thinking to yourself, well, that's good for all of them, but I don't know about me. No, it is. It includes you. God uses everybody. And you know, the degree to which He uses you, I think is the degree to which you give Him your body. So if you give Him more of who you are, I think He's going to take your life and do great and amazing things with it. Now, if you're here today and you are a Christian, I'm going to go ahead and be honest. I think your life should be filled with vision and purpose. And if it's not, you haven't failed. But the good news is it's still to come because your life should be filled with vision and with purpose. I believe that God has given everyone an assignment on planet Earth. And if you have given your heart and your life to Jesus, you are a step closer to finding out what that is. And if you seek Him, you will find Him. If you seek Him, you'll find more about what you're supposed to do. When we start to discover more what your gifts are, more of what the grace is on your life, you're going to discover that God has a plan and a purpose for your life. You just got to understand that. Now, if you're here and you're like, you don't know what it is, don't worry about that. All right, you're not messing it up. But I am telling you that it exists and it's for you. Jesus said, the harvest is plentiful. There is so much work to be done. There is a lot that the church is responsible for and a lot that the church has to do. The harvest is plentiful. There are plenty of people out there that need to understand the message of the gospel. But then Jesus went on to say something that's so important. I think we should pay attention to it this morning. He said the laborers are few. And I think that there's many reasons why the laborers are few. I think that the laborers are few because a lot of people don't have that vision or that purpose or that direction for their life. I think the laborers are few because sometimes we're looking to the superstars, whoever they are, no one knows who they are, but we're looking to those people to carry us all across the line. But the truth is, is that the laborers are few sometimes because we're insecure about the gifts that we've got or how we're going to use them. The thing is, is that God uses everybody 
He wants to use you. He wants to use me. And there is more work than any single person can handle. Now, the thing is, the church, what we're really responsible for is shifting the spiritual landscape of planet Earth. And actually, thousands of years ago, there was 11 guys that got together after Jesus died. And they said, man, we're going to do this. And the world has been a different place since they did what they were called to you. And my point is simply this to you. When you do what you're supposed to do, you're going to shift the world around you. And I'm telling you that the world needs to be shifted. It needs to be shifted. There is a purpose for your life. There is a plan that God has for you. You just kind of got to discover it. Now, the thing is, is that when people get together and when we're all in environments where everyone's using their gifts and their talents and their abilities, therein lies sometimes, occasionally, the possibility of people competing with each other where they get together and actually they start to measure their gift against the gifts of other people. And depending on how gifted you are, you can kind of find yourself more valuable or less valuable. That's kind of what we spoke about last week. But actually, you're not supposed to understand church like that. The truth is we're better together. The truth is God has a plan for everyone. And we just kind of got to discover what that is for you and how it fits in with the big picture of church. If you think about about why anyone competes. The reason anyone competes is to win. But if you don't know what the win is, what are you competing for? You got to know what the game is. You got to know what the end goal is. You imagine if we had a race, you know, there was a, there was a marathon And they said at the beginning of that race, okay, welcome to today. You're all going to take part in a 42.5K marathon. You'll find the finish line when you come across it. And someone would say, well, where are we going? They said, well, you'll find it when you run across it. You would have thousands of people that would head off in separate directions because no one knows where they're going. I think it's so important that we clarify what the win is so that everybody who decides to run in the race just knows where we're headed. So let me go ahead and make it kind of easy for you. I think that the church has a goal. And this is, this is my heart for this church. This is my heart for the future of this church. But I think every church is probably called to do something really similar. First of all, we've got to understand that God has a plan to see people saved. Okay? All right. So He wants to see people saved. He wants to see people come into a relationship with Jesus. You're in that race. I'm in that race. We're all in this together. Okay, we're better together. So God, He wants to see people get saved. But I've got to tell you, to be honest, and I said this on Wednesday night, do you know that after people get saved, sometimes they still carry baggage from their life into their relationship with Jesus, right? So after somebody gets saved, that's not the end goal. Actually, no, no, no. After that, people need to get free. Because I've seen a lot of Christians that get saved. They give their life to Jesus, but still live trapped for the rest of their lives. You know, but you've got to understand that's not God's plan for you. So if you're here today and you, you're sitting here and you're like, I'm a Christian, but the truth is I feel completely hemmed in by my situation. I don't feel the freedom to express my gift. And I'm not sure how I can do that. I, you know, I, I, I'm struggling with insecurity. That is not God's plan for your life. Let me clarify the win for you, okay? Here's the win. You give your life to Jesus, then you get free. After that, we got to discover who you are. We got to discover what God's put uniquely in you. You got to discover that. And then you got to start to get equipped. 
because there's some purpose on your life. And you get equipped for the journey that's ahead. And then after that, you're sent. You're sent. And, and that means whatever it means. Some people are sent into the workplace. Some people are sent on mission trips all around the world. But everyone is sent to someone. Some of you are just sent to your family. But everyone is called and everyone is sent somewhere. That's the plan. That's what we're supposed to be doing. That's it as individual. And can you imagine if we had a church, if you saw a church on planet Earth where everybody knew exactly what they were called to do, they had vision for their life, informed by the Spirit of God. And then after that, they were equipped to do what they were called to do. And then they went out and lived it. That's the kind of church that's going to change the world. That's the kind of church that's going to shift the world. And as I'm telling you, the world needs to be shifted. The reason Paul wrote the scripture that we read today, the reason he wrote that is because the church was, complete, was competing. They were competing with their own spiritual gifts. And Paul comes into this situation and he sees it. And he sees a church with the capacity to do great things. He sees a church with possibilities. But then he says, you know what? There's no unity here and you're completely distracted from your purpose. I want to tell you this morning that unity focuses purpose. Unity focuses purpose. Jesus said, the gates of hell will not come against the church. They will not prevail against the church. So he's not going to win. So he's not going to stop the church. And God is for the church. So you know who can kind of stop the church? It's us. We actually can be our own Worst enemy, the devil. We've already been told. So I, I don't know about you, but I'm a Christian. So I believe that when God has said something, uh, I'm just going to stand on His word. He says that the gates of hell shall not prevail. He didn't say the gates of hell wouldn't try. Because they're always trying to stop us. We just know in the end, He never wins. We just know in the end that our, our, our trump card is Jesus. And, and we know that he, he, he can't win. So if He can't beat us and then God is for us and no weapon formed against God's church will ever prosper, then I kind of come to the place where I think, well, who could actually stop the church? And I kind of think that the biggest threat to the church is actually just kind of us not really understanding what we're supposed to do. Because I feel if we understand what we're supposed to do and then we live a life that pursues it, that really there's nothing that can actually stop us. Paul opens up this passage and here's what he says. He says, I'm a prisoner for the Lord Jesus. Actually, if you look at the original language, it says, I'm a prisoner of Jesus and for Jesus. It means both and. I think that's so cool. He's free, and yet he sees himself as a prisoner for Jesus. Do you know why? Because I think Paul understands something about the new life that he got. How many of us understand that we're a new creation in Christ Jesus? Just put up your hand so I know that you understand that point. All right, so you understand you're a new creation in Christ Jesus. That's that's. That's great. Uh, we understand that there's a, there's a new life for us, okay, after we give our lives to Jesus. But the thing is, is that freedom and that life that we got, that newly created life, it was bought at a price. And so Paul sees himself as someone who is the recipient of great grace and freedom, but it was bought as a price. So willingly and voluntarily, he says, I am a prisoner of and for the Lord Jesus Christ. And then he says, to live in a manner that's worthy of your calling. I think that's so important that when it comes to your life and your vision and your focus and your future and all the rest of it, that you live your life in a manner that's worthy of 
your calling. Do you know that that word calling in the Greek, it means invitation. In other words, what I'm saying to you this morning is that God has invited you to participate in something so significant that it will shift and change the world that we live in. But it's an invitation. There is a calling. Many are called, few are chosen. Lots of people are being called. Lots of people actually receiving the invitation. And I'll tell you what I think is really sad is when people sabotage the invitation with their character. Because I think God invites lots of people. But I think people can sort of sabotage their own invitation with their character. They can mess up the plan that God has with the way that they live their life. And when they do that, that calling, it simply remains potential. And what Paul is really saying in this passage is he's saying, hey, how you pursue your calling and the way that you live your life and the way that you treat other people, it actually impacts and it affects your life too. It affects your future. It affects your calling. I think about the kind of message that your life sends. You think about your Facebook account. People just put down their thoughts on that. So I wonder what your thoughts say. I wonder what they say about you. I wonder what your posts say about you. Some of you don't even have Facebook accounts and you're so glad about that. But some of you do. And I wonder if if all your posts and all the stuff that you're putting up is negative, it's always critical, it's, you know, if it's always pointing out other people or always just venting or always your frustrations, I think that that says more about you than it does about the people that you're trying to point at. And I'm simply making the point that if that's the way you live your life, fine. But you know what? It's going to have an impact on your calling. It will. You think about your Instagram account, you know, what people post, what they send, what they share. If you don't have an Instagram or a Facebook account, congratulations. But what are the kind of emails that you pass on? What are the things that you send? What are the kinds of jokes that you tell? What's the kind of language that you use? What's the kind of interaction that you have with people that are in the world around you? Do you know the Bible says that bad company corrupts good morals? I wonder who's influencing who in your life. Are you influencing the world around you or are they influencing you? And which direction are they leading you in? Because your life sends a message. Your life sends a message about you. I wonder what it says about you. The great thing about your life sending a message is you get to have some input. No one's writing your post for you. No one's writing your life message for you. What it says is up to you. And even if your life has been sending the wrong message and you didn't even realize that it was impacting on your call, in fact, sometimes closing down windows or doors of opportunity, you didn't understand that. I want you to understand if you have been sending the wrong message with your life, God doesn't go ahead and then unsave you. There's, self, there's, there's grace for saving your life and then there's grace for ministry. And when you mess up, that grace that saved your life will continue to be there to save your life. But actually, sometimes you can mess up the ministry that you feel that you're called to. You can mess that up. Here's what the Bible says in Luke 2.52. It says, And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. He increased with favor with God and with man. Unity finds favor with both God and man. Now, this might sound crazy to you, but actually, if you want to pursue your calling in life, it's helpful to have some favor 
with the people that are around you. You might have the most amazing, unbelievable gift. You can move mountains with your faith. You did it before breakfast this morning. You're just moving stuff and clearing it out. You are the most impressive human being. You're so gifted. We are overwhelmed and awed by your presence. You're an amazing human being. You've got so much favor, but if you can't get along with people, the truth is your gift won't go anywhere. And do you know what impacts your favor with people is the way that you treat them. It's the way that you speak to them. And I am directly saying that no matter how gifted you are, if you don't find a way to do life well with people, you're going to stunt your growth. You're going to stunt your calling. You might have all the vision in the world that will remain potential and unrealized unless you learn how to do life with people together. Here's what, here's what Michael Jordan said. He said, talent win games, but teamwork and intelligence wins championships. Talent wins games, but teamwork and intelligence wins championships. Michael Jordan, one of the most gifted players that will ever exist on the planet. But if he tried to register a team of one, he'd never win a championship. Because you have to have five to enter, at least a minimum to walk onto the court. You need five people in that team. He might have ended up being great. If he was the kind of person who didn't understand anything about teamwork, he could have been the most gifted person the world would never see because his own vision and focus for his life was so fixated on himself and his talent and his ability and his call and all the rest of it that no one else would ever know it. It has to work in the function of a team. The church works the same way. The church is a body. And there might be some part of that body that's incredibly gifted, but if you sever a limb and put it somewhere else, it's going to die. It needs to be connected to the body. You know, some people, I, honestly, truthfully, in my life, people have come to me and said, and not asked the question, but made the statement, I can be a Christian and not go to church. And I always think, well... I don't know. Let's think about that. Can you? Well, you can be a, a Christian, but not go to church. Well, a Christian is little Christ. And it means you're a follower of Jesus. So if you're going to follow the teachings of Jesus, if you really want to get serious about it, you've got to remember a couple of things. He created the church. In fact, he loves the church so much that he died for the church. He gave his life up for the church. And then he did something that I think is beautiful, but really shows the intimacy of his relationship with the church. And he, he said the church is his bride. It's his bride. How would you like it? Some of you married people. If I said to you, I would love to go out for dinner with you, but please don't bring your wife. She is so annoying. I would love to have dinner with you. But oh, don't, don't bring your wife. And you would say to me, what? that's my wife that you're talking about there. Don't speak about my wife. I love her. It's like she's annoying. Can we, can we just get together? Just you and me. Just uh, don't bring your wife. It's like, are you crazy? 
No one would ever say that to a husband who loves his wife. So I don't think anyone should say it to Jesus about the church. Because the church is Jesus' wife. It's his bride. Man, we, I don't know. I, I kind of think that we should be really careful the way that we think about that. We should actually love the church. Jesus did. I, I think that we should be followers of him and love the church the same way that Jesus did. We were on a staff retreat recently. And um, we did what I think is the most fun thing we've ever done in, in any staff retreat we've ever been on. We went tree surfing, okay? And here's how tree surfing works. You kind of get a, a harness and you get connected up to a cable and you thread it onto this cable at the beginning at the bottom of a tree. And then you go up these stairs into the tree and it's like a high ropes course in a tree. And it's high, okay? And you're like walking across logs that are moving, and it's awesome. Of course, not everybody thought it was awesome, but I did. That's why I planned it. And uh, we got into different teams, and uh, every team had to start together and finish together. Now, the thing is, not everyone loves heights, okay? Uh, But the thing is, to win, the whole team needs to get across the line. So even if there's one person who's outrageously talented and gifted and doesn't care about heights, they might get to the end, but they, they can't win without their team. They can't win without bringing everyone else together. I think church is the same way. It's not built around superstars that do the work of ministry. Actually, we're all called to do the work of ministry, and we're better together. And when the whole church is focused in one direction and has one point and one focus and the unified man, we're going to do so much more than we could have if we had have just tried to do it on our own, celebrating our own talents and gifts and abilities. So you've been invited. You've been invited, called, but you've been invited. And there's a you know, there's a dress code on the invitation. When you get an invitation, there's a dress code. Let me, let me tell you how you're supposed to come. You've been invited with humility, gentleness, patience, bearing one another in love. So dress appropriately for that. Dress appropriately for your ministry call. Let me read what could be the opposite. <clears throat> this is the opposite to the gospel translation. Ephesians 4 verses 1 to 2. You have been called with all pride and meanness with impatience to get frustrated at each other. If possible, please get frustrated at each other and compete to prove who's more spiritual and the better Christian. You've been in called with all pride and meanness with impatience to get frustrated at one another Competing to prove who's more spiritual and who's a better Christian. I don't know, but to me that doesn't make sense. There's a dress code attached to this. We're not supposed to live that way. We should do church with the things that Paul said, humility, gentleness, patience, bearing one another in love. The heart that does ministry like what we just read, they just forgot what ministry is supposed to be about. The heart that actually does ministry with that kind of attitude, they think ministry is about themselves. They're wrongly motivated and they forgot that actually Jesus summarized the law this way. Over 600 commandments. How are you going to summarize them? Love God, love people. And if that was the attitude with which we always approached every ministry call and every person that we do ministry with, 
Man, I've got to tell you, you'd build something so significant. The church would go on to do great, incredible and mighty things. And in an environment where your gifts and your talents and your abilities were encouraged, where you were uplifted, where you, if you made a mistake, it was going to be okay because we're always going to sort of get behind you. That's an incredible church. You see, just because everyone shows up together, it doesn't necessarily mean that everyone's on the same page about this stuff, does it? Can I show you a picture? I think this is great. This is The Last Supper by Leonardo da Vinci. I love this picture. I was looking at this when I was preparing for this message and I don't know if you can read it or see it from where you are, but I like Simon at the end. Simon, he was the zealot. So he kind of looks like he's arguing already. And I don't know, they look like they might be fighting over who stole the bread. I'm not sure. There's Thaddeus and he's like, I didn't do it. He looks like this, I didn't do it. And Matthew's going, it's all down the other end of the table. And then you got Philip and I don't know what he's doing. He's leaning, he's looking at something. Jesus just looks like he's done something pretty impressive. And he's like, this is how I roll. James Minor, he's like, wow, look at, that's amazing. Thomas is like, did I really just see that? John, John's like, I just love that I'm here. I love that Jesus loves me. I don't know if you know, but I'm his favourite. That's what he said. There's Peter. You'll notice he doesn't have his foot in his mouth, which is unusual for him. There's Andrew. Andrew's like, I didn't take the bread, man. I don't know who took it, but I didn't, I didn't take it. And there's James and there's Bartholomew. And he's been working those guns out. He's an impressive. I don't know what he did for work. I'd have to, oh yeah, I do remember. But he he he's been working out as well. And then and then there's this guy who's sitting in the front. His name is Judas. And if I didn't point out to you who Judas was and you didn't know this picture, you probably wouldn't be able to pick him out because they all look like they're there together with the same purpose. They all look like they're there for the same reason, but one of them is not. One of them, Judas, is about to betray the friend, his friend. One of them is about to betray Jesus, the Son of God, one of them is about to betray because he was all about himself. He was always about his glory. He was a, he had his own selfish motivations and apparently he didn't care who he stepped on to get what he wanted. Church is not like that. We're better together. Actually, when we come together and we're unified, it doesn't bring glory to ourselves. It actually brings glory to God. And here's what Paul is saying. He's saying, it doesn't matter what your gifts are. They're from Jesus and they're for Jesus. So get over yourself. It doesn't matter what part you play or whether you see yourself spiritually gifted here or spiritually gifted here or whatever it is. It doesn't matter. Everyone plays their part. Paul says, it doesn't really matter, but just take what you have and use everything you've got to serve Jesus because it's all about Him and it's all for Him. And once everything is for Jesus, then everyone heads in the same direction and that's unity. And that's what Paul's trying to get at in all of this. Stop celebrating your individuality, right? And start to realise that you're just a small cog in a big machine all going towards bringing the Gospel to a world that really needs to hear it because the world needs to be saved. Paul says, one body one spirit, 
one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father. We're all called by the same stuff. We're all called to head in one direction. The church's mission is so big, it actually needs the collective gifts of everyone to head in the same direction. Here's what you need to know. Unity is the alignment of your heart, your talents, your gifts, your purpose, your ability. And the reason why you need to know that is that it's unity that builds the church because a house divided against itself, it just can't stand. It's not going to work. So actually, the devil can't stop us. And God is for us. And when we're not against ourselves, I think the church can become unstoppable. And I think it can change and transform the spiritual landscape of the world that we live in. Psalm 133 says, Behold, how good and pleasant is it when brothers dwell in unity, for there the Lord has commanded the blessing, life evermore. Activate. This is what you need to do. All right. You need to align what God has given you with where God is calling us. Because if you align what God has given you with where God is leading us, man, we're going to change the world. We're going to make a, a, a huge difference in the lives of people that you and I both care about. In the lives of people that have no relationship with God. Can we stand together this morning? I don't know how you see yourself fitting into the grand scheme of things or how you find your place in the church or where you think you fit, but there is a place for you. There is because this is the body of Christ and God uses every body. So here's what I'm going to encourage you to do this morning. I'm going to encourage you to imitate Paul as he imitates Christ. I'm going to encourage you to follow what Paul did and what Paul said. And this is how he opened. He said, I, therefore, am a prisoner for the Lord Jesus Christ. You've been bought at a price. Your life was purchased at a price. Your future has been purchased as a price. See your life, therefore, as belonging to Him. And then take whatever you've got and forget about where you fit or how gifted you are. Or just forget about all that stuff and make a decision to use whatever you've got. If you think it's small, oh, if you think it's small, then you need to understand what happens. When you give God your small talents and abilities, man, He just grows it. He, he, he grows it. So you take whatever you've got and you say, God, I'm going to give it to you. The talents, the abilities, everything I've got, and we're going to head in one direction to see people saved, free, equipped, and sent. Let me pray for you this morning. Let me pray that God brings great clarity to your mind about what you're supposed to do. Father, I pray for every person here this morning. The Lord, that we'd see ourselves as a prisoner for you. That God, we'd see ourselves as being purchased at a price. And God, I pray that this morning that each one of us, no matter what our gifts are, no matter what our abilities are, 
that Lord, we would use everything that we've got to serve You. It's all about You. It's for Your Kingdom. It's for Your glory. It's for Your purposes. And Lord, as Your church begins to advance and take ground, I pray, God, that we would see so many incredible things happen around us, that Lord, that we would change the world that we live in. I pray for the friends and the families of people in this room today that have no relationship with You, Jesus. And God, I pray that in the coming seasons, that they would fill this church from front to back. The Lord, we'd see so many people say, Jesus, I love You and I want to get to know You and please forgive me of my sin. I pray, God, that we see that because we know that the world needs it. And I pray that we don't look to the superstars, whoever they are, none of us know, but I pray that we don't look to anyone else to do it, but God, that we say, I'm going to do it. I'm going to take responsibility. I'm going to use what I've got to serve You, Jesus. I think of the story of the loaves and the fishes. And the little boy, you put it in your hands, Jesus, and it multiplied. So God, take what we put in your hands today and multiply it and multiply it and multiply it. Lord, people that are insecure and struggling with stuff that's going on in their lives, Lord, I pray that they just see themselves as bought as a price and let go of that, find their identity of You. And as they put their gift in Your hands, Lord, would You multiply it? Multiply it this morning in this place. Multiply it this morning in this place. Oh Lord, we pray that You breathe upon this place. Lord, as we unify around your purpose, what you're calling your church to do. I pray, God, that we would see all the best days of this church ahead of it. And not just this church, but every church. I pray, God, across the globe that every church advances. The Lord, in areas where, where it looks like people are being persecuted for their faith in Jesus' name, would we see the church take ground? Lord, in regions where the Gospel has not been preached, God, would somebody preach it? Lord, I pray that people, maybe from this room here this morning, that they would be sent to it to bring that message that's so life-giving and so fulfilling. Oh Lord, I pray that You'd breathe upon it. In Jesus' Name I pray. In Jesus' Name, Amen. We trust you enjoyed this week's message. For any more information about Activate Church, check out our website, www.activatechurch.com or download our app online and have a great week.